to Seishura. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoop Magoo. And uh, so we've got uh, some interesting uh, topics this week. I think this is going to be a shorter episode, but... Um, it's quite an amalgamation of, uh, of genres we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that's just the way I like it, Frank. No, yeah, um, it's, it's I, good. I, I, love, I, love, I love getting weird. I love um, when we have these eclectic episodes. Yeah, but first off, uh, we're going to talk about the new Opeth single that was just released. Uh, just couple days ago now called uh well the english translation is a uh, heart in hand and th- um, but by the way thanks for letting me know because i uh, for some reason this i haven't seen anything about this maybe i missed it but even on facebook you know i follow all the different metal yeah. whatever just i just i didn't see it covered at all i so which is weird. Uh, this is like i I'll, I'll go into this really quick but uh i actually have a google search saved like because it like with certain parameters on it that are like oh new album or ep you know within like the last 24 hours and so it'll check the news basically for it mm-hmm. and i just i do like two different searches on that because you can sort by relevancy or by time released so i kind of do both most of the time it's just you know people talking about beyonce and ed sheeran kind of makes me want to puke frankly <laughs> but um then you get interesting stuff like this new opeth single or like um like I didn't know that Ben or I was it Ben Fr- no I think it was Hacks and Cloak doing that um that new score for the film Midsommar. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I think that was the first time I found out about that. So um, yeah, it's it, you know the the weird thing about it is if you do it, uh, Google like if you do it too many times within like like if you keep pressing next and just searching through the pages, uh, Google will start thinking that you're like phishing software. Or something oh, like that. Oh, okay. I and they'll start. That. They'll give you like a captcha, basically. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. But I I like I like keeping track of it just because I think you know sometimes like a tiny mixtapes or like a treble who are pretty much the only music sites I follow anymore for specifically for news. Sometimes they'll miss a few things. So um, just nice to get you know get get some other sources. But also get other sources that aren't, you know, completely annoying, uh, like Pitchfork or like yeah, yeah, or even like Stereo Gum. Like I don't know, I, I love like you know, I'll just I'll just say this. Like I think, it, oftentimes it feels like they're reporting on politics more than they're actually reporting on music. Um, yeah, it's it's become kind of the crossover of things that they'll. Uh the report about is a little annoying that's why i used to you know consequence of sound used to be yeah. like a big source of news for me but now they essentially and pitchfork does this too they'll essentially report anything that is even remotely tied to music yeah like anything like e- even if it's a i can't think of a good example but just like literally if there's any well okay like here's a good example because i i specifically remember this from years and years ago that um like do you remember when trump was using uh neil young's uh i think it was like uh rocking in the or you know rocking in the free world oh yeah yeah Yeah, neil young was getting all pissed about it like like that stuff is so like like tangentially related to music (laughs) and it's like oh we're still going to report on it because it's like oh that that, that's what gets the views anyway we're getting off topic it's really funny because like basically i feel like they must just have like a stock 
article that they just recycle because it's always it's always a Republican politician. It's yeah. always some like American heartland musician. <laughs> and then it's always, you know, they say cease and desist and like fuck that, you don't represent me. And then they stop playing. It's 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 the exact same thing every time. Yeah. Every time it's like, oh, and not that I, you know, I mean, they can I mean, do whatever. You, it's their I mean, music. If, they if, can do whatever you, they want. If, but if you want to go even broader, it's just like, oh, outrage article. Okay, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just have um, a, few, a few different templates for it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, let's let's talk about this new thing. Uh, so Opeth, um, I think like a couple of months ago now, released or announced their new album without any dates or anything for it. It was just they just released an album cover and the title in Cado, uh, Venenum, which I guess is Latin for poison in the tail, which is pretty cool sounding. Yeah, that's pretty uh, cool. And the artwork is immaculate. Uh, another just beautiful piece of art done by Travis Smith, who's done pretty much every Opeth cover. Yeah. Since like Blackwater Park, or no, no, I think Still Life even. Um, I mean, like everything about it seems cool, but obviously the the question then becomes, yeah, what, is, what are we is, getting? What's the music like? Because you know, as we've discussed uh, on this podcast before, Opeth have kind of been doing um, just sort of masturbatory prog worship for like their last three albums. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, starting with Heritage, which. You know, a lot of people are, you know, it's it's divided the fan base a lot. I think a lot of people are not happy with this new thing. And I think a lot of people, um, I feel like that, like there isn't like a lot of thought going into, you know, people's actually like actual reactions to the music. Because I, I think a lot of metal fans are just like, oh, no, no death growls, close. When it's like. I, yeah. I I personally like like I, I think Ackerfeld's a great vocalist. Regard like you know even when he's you know when he's screaming or when he's you know singing clean vocals, I think he's just a phenomenal mm-hmm. you know vocalist. But my problem with these last three albums, which I think we're talking about, Heritage, Pale Communion, and um, oh God, what's the last one? Sorceress. Um, like my my biggest problem has been songwriting. You know that it's it's really not it's just feels very bland and uninspired especially and it's i I think it hurts a little more because we know what opeth is capable of Mm -hmm. you know considering albums like ghost reveries of blackwater park you know of of even watershed you know like like they've had a very consistent career up until heritage you know so we and like to the point that that we've you know we've actually talked about trying to listen to those three albums at some point uh but probably closer to when the uh this album's going to be coming out in september or even near the end of september which you know do, do just a little little sidetrack for a second uh do, do you think that, that that's a little little far to release like to like to announce be like oh we're coming out with an album in september it's july i don't know is, is doesn't that seem like a lot I think for me, I would really prefer a month. I think two months is fine. I think beyond two months is where I really start to raise my yeah. eyebrows. Uh, but yeah, personally, I, mean, I, I think I think a month is perfect because that's just enough time to like you know really wet the palate. You know, release a lead single or two, and then you'll drop it. But I think once you once you get much beyond two months, it's just it, what's the point. Like, yeah, because there's just exactly. I think the thing is there's just going to be so much dead time in there where people forget about it. Like people are going to get excited about when you announce it. Like two yeah. or three months is going to go by, and then you're like, oh yeah, by the way, that's out. 
I think it sort of depends on the band too. Sure. I, I like I think for you know for a group as big as Opeth or like you know uh, the example that I sent to you this week uh, the new Cattle Decapitation being released oh, yeah. in like November. Yeah, that's you know, way too long. Yeah, like that's insane. But at the same time, like Cattle Cattle Decapitation is a pretty big band within their own genre. Yeah. You know, so I I, I don't see like anybody overlooking the album. Mm-hmm. No, for so. sure. Yeah, but I, I just think there will still be. Maybe they won't forget about it. Maybe that wasn't the right well, word. I, just, I, I think, but my, my the thrust of my argument is more like it just won't matter. Yeah, exactly. Like so. just you know why you have all this dead time that yeah. it's just I, I just I don't know because I think for the average fan it it doesn't really matter for us it just annoys me because there's albums that you know before like for example I'm going to be thinking about that Cattle Cap album for months and because it's just going to annoy me. Whereas if it was a month that would be a little bit more palatable. But yeah. uh, anyway, just to t- touch quickly on something you said earlier is I think it does a disservice to um, the argument when people solely kind of, kind of to your point, like Ackerfeld's an amazing singer. Like the problem has never, at least for me, the problem has never been um, the lack of death growls or even the la- I think, you know, their music is better when they incorporate death metal because they just do that so well. But I think the problem really is that they are they're doing just such a boring iteration of music that's already come before. Like they're just very clearly taking from their influences like very very hardcore you know channeling it through their formula just to make it enough their own i guess and then you know kind of calling it a day which i mean i guess for their purposes or what they're interested in that's kind of enough but obviously for fans who follow them for a while through some pretty incredible albums it's it's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, um, I you know, I considerably like I went from an Opeth hater to like just obsessed with the band in a very short amount of time. And like it was funny because I think it was just around the time that Heritage came out too. And it's just like, oh, so like the the the, the time I'm actually paying attention to the band, it happens to be kind of like in one of the lowest points of their career. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, um which anyway, I guess so, brings us to yeah. this new single yeah so hand and heart also i think it's also called what hartat vedvad handengor uh because for some reason um opeth has decided to release this album both in swedish and in english um which sounded cool at first but after listening to the single i don't really see the point <laughs> Yeah, for me, actually, it was funny. We talked about this in advance, asking, you know, I asked Jimmy what version we should listen to. Uh, I ended up listening to both just because I was curious. I, I actually listened to both, too, uh, but that was actually because of a mistake. Because um, if you look at the single, the YouTube video that, that has Heart in Hand, uh, it's listed as 17 minutes. Where yeah, and they just I, threw both in there? Yeah, exactly. They, 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 they threw both tracks. I think the Swedish one was first and then the English one. Um, so I, I was like, I was like halfway through this thing and I'm like, wait, are they really starting with that riff again? Like how lazy is that? And I don't, then like, it took me a second. I'm like, oh, oh uh, yeah, it's a different, <laughs> which I mean, I, I don't know that I thought that that was a little, not, not misleading, but I think just, um, unwisely communicated. Yeah, because I mean, for Prague, a seventeen-minute song is not unfounded. So, like, maybe yeah. just out of the, you know, from the onset, like, holy shit, this is gonna be some big, like, epic Prague master. Yeah, because I mean, it, really, the last song I can think of that was that long was like probably a title track for Blackwater Park. Yeah. Um, maybe oh, what's that? The Grand Conjuration off of uh, Ghost Reveries, but oh yeah, th- th- that's closer to ten minutes. Anyway, l- l- let's talk about this single. Um, you know. 
first first thing that comes to your head, Scott? Um, I was surprised at because I originally told you I wanted to listen to the English version because I thought I would relate to it more. I thought it would relate to yeah. the lyrics, and honestly, the lyrics are kind of they're just kind of what, I mean, not that they're bad, but it's like I, I just didn't nothing stood out to me. I really preferred the Swedish version. It's just obviously it, it's it's a foreign language to me. And it sounded beautiful. It fit with the music a lot. I really enjoy. I was surprised. I didn't expect that. Uh, I really liked the sweet. And frankly, if you know, when I listen to this in full, I might go to the Swedish version just because it felt more musical. And it just, it, it, I think it added a different dynamic to Ackerfeld's voice I've never so, heard before. Obviously, because he's never, I've never heard him sing in that language before. Yeah. What about what about more songwriting? Yeah, and, and that's why I love with that, because I think that's probably the most positive thing I have to say. Um, <laughs> not, not that I have anything negative to say, but again, it's just, it's a very, it's a very fine progressive rock song, just kind of like what Opeth have been doing for the last three albums. It's, it's not, like, I, I found myself, inter- like, I was, um, it had my attention for the entire t- runtime, but it kind of went, went in through one ear, went out the other. Like I listen, so, I listen to this, you know, more times than I would usually. I think I listen to this, you know, four or five times just because I was trying to grab onto something. Oh, okay. And it just, I was, I was actually just gonna ask how many times you listen to it. Because usually when we just talk about a single, I usually listen to it, you know, probably a couple times because it's only one piece of music. I can usually get a grasp about it. But you know, this, I just, I was trying to. It just really went, went in one ear, went out the other because it's just, it's kind of there. It, it's not, it's not bad. It really isn't. But it's, it's just. I, I think it's. You can't listen to anything completely devoid of context, and it's really difficult to listen to a song like this from a band that is has so masterfully, you know, blended prog rock with death metal and like really nice acoustic elements and folky elements. And it's just I don't understand why. Like, if you want to change sounds, fine, but this isn't even a good iteration of what they're trying to do. It's not a bad iteration, but it's just I don't know. Like, it's just kind of there for me, and um, I'll listen to the whole album. I'm interested to hear how the you know, the Swedish vocals flesh out, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much more to say. Again, not not terrible, but it's just it's just kind of there. It's just kind of a song that they made and released. Yeah, I, I get you. So this is gonna be weird, but I so I actually agree with you uh, for the most part. But I think I have two points that I think I really differ. I would say that uh, overall, I think my feelings were a little more positive. Than oh, okay, yours. that's interesting. Uh, yeah, just well because I the the last taste of like new Opeth that I've had was uh, the lead single for Sorceress, which I think was the title track, uh, which was such a terrible track for me that I stopped listening to it halfway through because I thought <laughs> it was just so poorly written, and yeah, so um, you know after hearing that and hearing this, I you know I I thought this was a lot better. Uh, that being said, it's still you know it it's. It's just full of opethisms, you know, mm-hmm. like, you, you, you know, just you, you, you got that, like, you got that sort of mysterious winding rave. You got, like, those uh, strange, you know, strings, like, th- those guitar sections that almost sound like uh, they're, like, fretless or, you know, he's using, a, like, a slide or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, like, those folk sections, which I, I'll admit, I actually really like the folk sections in this song. I think it went really well. Um, you know, but... The other thing I wanted to bring up, I think I actually preferred the English version. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So I was actually thinking that I would like the Swedish version more. Um, but, you know, I think the way I, 
this is, this is a little complicated because I, I, I think that parts of the Swedish version are actually better than the English. Um, so, like, when it comes to the verses, I think that the English version is actually a lot better because I think, like, sort of the way, in, like, the lyrics are pronounced in English, I think it, it lends, like, a sort of um, more percussive, like, cadence that I think really adds to the energy of the song. Um, but, like, when we get to the, you know, the folk section and Ackerfeld starts singing again and, like, the lyrics take a turn into just not making any sense whatsoever, um, I, I felt like it was kind of, like, I felt like the Swedish version did it a little better. Hmm. Uh, to be fair, I only listened to each version once um, because that I, I, I tend to, like, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's a little tough to try to, like, to to listen to it again i i do so when we were talking about even you know discussing this on the podcast um a couple days ago i just turned it on for the hell of it um like at like maybe three minutes worth um and i wasn't a huge fan but i think it grew on me a little bit um i so yeah i i don't know i i i kind of wish that they kind of like mixed the languages together sort of like mars volta does uh and a few other albums like you know i'm thinking of um Francis the Mute, in particular, like uh, that 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 one song that I can't even remember now, um, Elvia Lavaquez, Lavaquez, uh-huh. um, that like the the verses are in Spanish, but then the choruses are in English. You know, I I, I felt like that that was so purposefully done because I think you know Spanish is a beautiful language when it's sung passionately. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. All that to say is, this was a really this was an interesting listen. Um, I, I'm, st- I it it did it didn't completely win me over, mind you, but you know it's still um, definitely better than what I've experienced in the past with like this new uh, sound of Opeth. So um, you know, I I, I wonder because it, this is the third track in the track listing so i'm wondering how it's going to like sort of evolve from there because i think if if opeth's good at anything i think it's at being able to you know create a cohesive experience in their Mm -hmm. albums so um it'll be interesting to see if if they manage to do that or not uh which is because that was a huge problem i had with heritage was just how it like it felt like it was more like a collection of songs as opposed to an album. Whereas we had like, you know, um, I mean, Blackwater Park is the big one, but for me, Ghost Reveries was was a pretty big album just in the way that things seemed to blend together really well. Um, anyway, that's it. <laughs> so Yeah, th- th- that's interesting. And I could totally see where you're, you're coming from. Uh, for me, it, it just, it, it never... Um, I never got much off the ground. Like there were moments where, look, I, I definitely agree that they um, they haven't lost their touch with the folk sections. I mean, that's I think that's something they've always done well. It's something yeah. they've always incorporated well. Um, but other than that, it's and again, maybe I sounded a bit too harsh. I'm not. I don't want to say I, this. I, is, I, I don't. I don't think you're too harsh. Yeah, I just. I, I d- definitely do not think. I wouldn't even say this is necessarily bad. It's just yeah. very, uh, very much. They're wearing their influences on their sleeve. It's it's very much. Um, second fiddle to what they've done before and i, I, I think I, it's just like, like the, these guys are just so damn talented that you know anything that that like 
I think in a way, it, it it's tough to communicate that level of disappointment mm-hmm. without sounding negative. In For a way. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And But I think that, that your point's well taken that they have always done well in terms of crafting an album experience. So maybe this maybe this will end up being a um, a little bit of an improvement, maybe a little bit of a a better album. I, I really don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, we're we're, we're going to find out. Um, I, I'm really hoping it isn't <laughs> it isn't horrible because you know I I, I just like I, I I want to like this album. Um, you know, and like I said, the, the parts of parts of this track were really cool for me like especially just the verses i felt like even though it was nothing new in terms of opeth's like song trajectory songwriting um there was still like this freshness about the delivery that i liked so um you know like yeah it'll be interesting to talk about this when it comes out for sure and uh Hopefully, um, we have better things to say about it, or you know, a little, little, little bit more positive when when it does. Yeah, I see. Um, I'm I'm gonna just gonna take a make a prediction now. I I think that that episode is gonna be pretty salty. Um, Probably because mostly mostly because we're listening to four Opeth albums and four albums that are considered the worst albums by Opeth very fans. very or, true well no to be to be fair those three this one hasn't come out yet you never know but um yeah so <laughs> we will I don't, I, I don't know why we're that well, i don't know why we're this masochistic to, to uh, listen to this <laughs> I, I guess we'll uh we'll just have to cross our fingers and see what happens well, you know it just the n- next week we'll just listen to limp biscuit and and we'll just sort of you know as like a palate cleanser <laughs> so <laughs> that's uh, hilarious so okay so next next topic we have is a little little more somber um because uh last week uh joao how uh, gilberto uh and i'm just gonna say this right now um a lot of these terms are brazilian Brazilian and span like uh, Portuguese and Spanish, um, even though they're like like they look very similar on paper, they're pronounced very differently. So I'm gonna probably butcher any name that's Brazilian here. <laughs> so uh, just ahead of time, but uh, uh, Joao Gilberto uh, recently passed away, um, and you know I am not totally familiar with his discography but i am well versed enough to know uh gets gilberto which was his famous collaboration with stan getz uh which was basically like one of the first bossa nova albums and sort of helped popularize the genre you know in the united states and you know sort of abroad outside of brazil um and scott you've never listened to this before right no and i'm kicking myself now because I mean, th- this was fantastic. Uh, yeah, and, it's, and it's it's so chill, right? And I have one of those moments that I often have where I realize I was aware of. Um, well, I guess not the album because I didn't recognize all these songs. But the first song, I was like, yeah. I know this. Song, the girl, the, the, from, the, girl, the girl from Ibanema. I mean, I'm very yeah. familiar with that song, and I, and it's just like, oh, okay, that's them. Cool. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know if they wrote that. Um, so I I've actually been looking into this a little bit. So Antonio Carlos Hobim um, wrote a lot of the tracks here. 
Um, so I'm not entirely sure if they actually wrote uh, this, you know, like Girl from Impanina or not. Um, I think with, you know, with early jazz and like I think with, with jazz sort of before, you know, the genre started getting into like weird places, you know, there there's a lot of, you know, uh, standards, you know, of, of people doing covers of tracks that were already like written. Mm-hmm. But often doing different versions of them, so yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking that a lot of these were already written before, but this is sort of like a new take on them. Sure. Um, you know, I I just can't help but thinking it because like like when I had this on yesterday, the first thing that pops in my head, aside from like I love this, is uh just how fucking chill it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, like, I feel like it, it's it, it's like the the soundtrack to like you know uh like a massage session i guess um <laughs> that's really funny it it, it it well i just like see like, like whenever i hear it it actually reminds me of um a simpsons episode where they go to brazil <laughs> and that they have a uh this like sexy version of sesame street basically <laughs> and, and and they're playing bossa nova music under it and i just like i always think of that for some reason um I think I think television has kind of rotted my brain, but uh, <laughs> that's so amazing. I, I I just get like I always get like this really chill like tropical kind of vibe from it that I really like. Um, in a way, it almost reminds me of like like super chill vintage softcore porn music almost. That's, but I <laughs> that's very good. I like but, that. But but I I feel like using that type of description is doing this album a disservice because it's actually really good um albeit very minimal very repetitive you know it's it's a very quiet album and like you know you don't hear Joao Gilberto's you know guitar a whole lot mm-hmm. um it's it's it feels almost kind of buried under the mix yeah um at least me at least the album the version that I have um you, you never know with with jazz albums sometimes because they'll like remaster it and like it'll sound completely different Mm -hmm. and piss off, you know, one half of like the entire jazz fan base, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I remember, I think I'm trying to remember the first time I listened to this album. I think it was probably back in like 2012 and I, I'll admit I wasn't completely sold on it mostly because like part of the reason I love jazz was because of like sort of the passion that came out in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, e- even if it was like really slow, cool jazz, like um, I know for a while I owned Stan Getz's um, album West Coast Jazz, um, which you know I-, I don't think is one of his best, but it was still had like this, you know, sort of feeling to it. And whereas like this album, upon my first listen, felt kind of like emotionless in a way, but I, I think you know I- I- at that time I was like you know admittedly pretty stupid <laughs> so wow that's harsh um, <laughs> well no i mean like like at that time like i was just getting around to even liking like slower sadder sounding music mm-hmm. um so you know it was you know it, like because i mean for a long time i i just like i i think maybe it was just because i was just so depressed as a teenager but like i just couldn't listen to like sad sounding music like to the point that like i would like skip tracks on albums if if it like took like a really minor key turn um hmm. so i i think once i got around to really 
liking that more stripped back melodic kind of somber sound more i think i came to like this just because of its minimalism i guess mm-hmm. um yeah i always find myself just picking this album up you know and just playing it again and again uh yeah so what, what were your like, like was this just like instant love for you or did this take you a little bit Oh no, it was right off the bat. I was like, man, I, I love this. I mean, it helped that the first song I heard was a song that I've, I've, I've always loved this song. The first version of it I heard was, uh, um, I think it was on the Duets album that Sinatra did. He did a couple of you know Duets 1, Duets 2, yeah. where it was just a bunch of standards which he sang with uh, like all over the spectrum. Like He did one song with Bono. One song with oh, uh, God damn it with with, with Jimmy Buffett. Um, just oh, that's just, even worse. <laughs> uh, I think L- Luther Vandross and like just basically all any type of like relevant singer from the last several decades. He you know did a did a number with. Um, and this version, I definitely definitely felt more. Um, oh, what's the word? I want to say not genuine. Oh, more more authentic. I feel like a more authentic yeah. version of this song. Uh, and I think to go back to your point of how um, it might have, I'm paraphrasing you, but like this might have faded in the background first listen or what have you. Yeah. I feel like, you know, these kind of songs are very much used in pop culture as background music or to, to conjure a specific theme. Uh, like, I, I mean, the first thing I thought of when I was listening to this album was uh, Mad Men. Like whenever they would go on vacation, whenever they would yeah. go on vacation or go to like a tropical place, or they would like dream about going to a tropical place, like this is like a hundred percent exactly what Actually, like the, the type of music they would play. It, it's because like now they think of it, they, this, this it, it also sort of sounds like you know they, I've always had like this idea of like this tropical sound, and I always hear it whenever I watch like a James Bond movie. Yeah, that's another great example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I think that that's like you, you've got similar aesthetics there, just very like hard-boiled and like you know uh stone-faced but cool and mm-hmm. yeah just cigarettes and vodka and like exactly, exactly. Yeah, just all that all that shit and um i think you know since we're talking about joao gilberto something that i noticed about this release that i really admired about his playing is it definitely was very subdued it was very in the background he never tried to be um forgive me the saxophonist is stan Getz. yes um I forgot what instrument he played because I I'm not as, I'm not as familiar with his uh, his other material just I just just because of whatever reason um, but like obviously whenever he came in it we stole the show he was just he just he was just louder in the mix and obviously yeah. saxophone is a more commanding instrument but I always felt like Joao Gilberto was whenever he appeared it was just it felt very necessary it may have been subdued but just it was very integral to how this album sounded uh his, his playing was always on point it was always pleasant to listen to um it was an interesting balance for me and i, I can't imagine this album without him playing it and I'm, I'm interested now to hear more of of him doing that except in the spotlight you know i'm not really familiar with what other because I mean, i've been aware of this album for forever this is the first time i've listened to it but this is an album that is definitely on the you know if you're interested in jazz to check out the you know these releases this is certainly one of them yeah um, especially the the more like um i guess folk driven side like subgenres mm, of jazz. yeah for sure um because i i don't really want to include this lump this in with latin jazz because i feel like that's doing this and latin jazz a disservice not to mm-hmm. mention that they're they're very different sounds like Latin jazz is really fiery, mm-hmm. uh, whereas like 
you know, I, I think this this burn like this this album like smolders more, yeah, more than sure. it's fiery. Yeah, um, I I I think my favorite track on this is probably Corcovado. Uh, you know, just I I love the vocals on that. Just you know, quiet nights of quiet stars. You know? <laughs> and uh, that, that's actually uh, Gilberto's wife uh, singing on that. Oh, sweet! By the way, yeah, it's it's her and on uh, Girl from Impanina as well. Um, yeah, I, I really, I, I don't have anything bad to say about this album for the most part. I think it's not exactly the most um, welcoming, you know, jazz album. If you're not like, you know, like I think, at, like like I said, when I was listening to this, I was sort of expecting like a Miles Davis or like a, um, you know, since they said Bossa Nova, you know, I was again very stupid <laughs> and. Um, you know, so I think I sort of conflated that with Latin jazz. So I was expecting like a sort of like Arturo Sandoval or like yeah. Dizzy Gillespie when he got more into like Afro-Cuban music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas this is so much more subdued than that. So I think it was a little disappointing. But like, you know, I, I, I think if you know what to expect in it and like, you know, you're interested in what this album has to offer, I think it can be just incredibly rewarding. not to mention just it's so nice to listen to this thing after like a tough day (laughs) yeah absolutely it's funny because i had kind of the opposite experience where what i thought i'm like what i actually got was better or at least you know preferable than what i expected like because the name bossa nova i expected something really like schmaltzy and like like kind of cheesy romantic like this big like basically something you hear in like a latin soap opera or something yeah i think this is much more subtle in and you know kind of classier than what i originally imagined um so i i think that it's just like maybe it's just um sort of the environment i was raised in but it feels like we you know as a country or at least this part of the country tends to sort of lump like anything south of the border yeah into just like one big thing and it's really not there's a lot of you know differences and i think here it's very obvious um like i mean i i i, I don't know. have you listened to a lot of latin jazz scott um not really and unfortunately like the best examples i can think of aren't made by latin people like sketches of spain or ole coltrane I mean, uh, I, which, I, which which are don't even really count yeah uh, I, I wouldn't consider those latin jazz yeah, at all. I, I, I would um, also i would agree with that i mean i mean like not okay. I'm, I'm just I'm gonna put on like my um my jazz snob hat for a very small <laughs> second. Um, that I would say sketches of Spain is is more like folk driven, you know, than anything, and yeah. it's more like third stream music. Yeah, I think that's um, fair. That's why given, I, that's why I, like I, I I heaped on as many caveats as I could. When yeah, I, when I was introducing it, that example, it, it's, it's funny you bring up Olay Coltrane though, because I've actually I've had that spinning in my car for like the last couple of days, so this. Which is such a great album, um, just underrated album. But yes, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I love this out. Al- I love Getz Gilberto. Um, you know, I Stan Getz is a great saxophonist. Also, um, I think he's, you know, I think his stuff is worth looking into. Even though, I think a lot of people sometimes like to crap on him. I just, the, 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 that's sort of the feeling I get because I think that there's sort of like this. Maybe it was just part of the time, but there was sort of like the stigma against some cool jazz artists because, like, it felt like that was all they could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, you know, Stan Getz, I think, famously, 
you know, was like idolized Lester Young, who came before him, um, to the point that like I think they even wore like the same hat and stuff like that, and like they even had like the same tone, and like it was just kind of pathetic, like in in that sort of way. But I think Stan Getz is, is such a talented player uh-huh. that like you know he gets sort of overlooked that type of stuff but anyway uh yeah this is really this is great i think i would also say if you're if anybody's interested in sort of expanding from this uh antonio carlos hobeem who wrote uh the majority of the tracks on this and uh, i think he's in this album to a certain extent he has a really good album called wave uh it's a really cool album cover it just has like this giraffe that's like um sort of like in this landscape it's a really, really beautiful album. Um, I would also say, I think there was one other one. Oh, I think Stan Getz has um, an album called Big Band Bossa Nova, which was also very good. So, uh, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely interested in hearing more about, you know, like I said, hearing an album where, um, you know, Gilberto is more uh, front and center, just hearing a little bit more of his guitar work. I feel like it's... Uh, uh, it's bound to be a beautiful listen. So um, yeah, I, I I really like I, I haven't really explored his discography a whole lot, but I think it'd be really cool to hear something with like more of a stripped down uh, personnel mm-hmm. because the, like right now we have like you know kind of a full lineup. You know we've got bass, drums, guitar, piano, saxophone. You know whereas like I think it'd be cool to hear him in like uh like a like a guitar trio mm-hmm. type of I thing. Agree of like just him bass drums or even just solo um you know i i i think part of it is like i i kind of i well again this is this is me kind of conflating these drums because like part of me kind of hopes for like gilberto to start doing like a flamenco type of thing yeah because i i think flamenco music is just beautiful as well but uh again we're talking about two very different genres of music so <laughs> um okay any any final thoughts no, I mean it's it's always um, it's always unfortunate that a lot of times we get around or like me personally, I get around to listening to people um, after they've passed away. But yeah, you know, at, at at the very least, um, this my own personal silver lining is that this did prompt me to finally listen to this album. This is something that I know you've uh, you've recommended on multiple yeah. occasions in the past and an album that obviously I'm very familiar with at least from seeing other people talk about it, different you know publications and lists talk about it so finally glad I gave it a listen because this this is a truly you know really really fantastic release yeah I, I think with you know with regard to that comment about like you know sort of only you know finally getting to music after people pass away I I think sometimes like a lot of that stuff is is very out of our control um, yeah for sure I mean you know, I, I, I'm gonna sound callous here, and I, I don't intend that, but I think we tend to overrate um, these deaths, like as of late, um, that were like you know completely in pieces because you know so and so passed away, when we kind of forget that this whole notion of popular music has really only been around for like the last hundred years or so. And so it makes sense that the people who contributed the most to it are starting to finally pass away. You know, like, you know, I'm not saying it's a good thing by any means. I'm just saying, like, it's it's kind of a part of life. I think it's to be expected. Um, and so, you know, maybe we shouldn't be as, you know, surprised, I guess, or as, like, completely heartbroken 
Um, again, sounds callous. I, I so, um, but I will say like there are times that like musicians' death have bothered me a lot. I mean, I think I've I've, I've said before that Chris Cornell's passing. Um, had a big effect on me as, as well as Chester Bennington's. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you know, and even David Bowie's to an extent. Uh, you know, so it's you know, it, it, I'm I'm not like it, this is all very this is all a very blurry, nebulous, gray area that we're talking about. Like I'm not I I'm not going to go out and proclaim oh we should all do this. I'm just pointing this out. Um, and sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we should just move on to um, what probably I'm most psyched about, actually, this week. is um, So, a couple weeks ago, we did a uh, album anniversary sort of extravaganza. We did, like, a bunch of some of our favorite albums. We had, uh, we had Princess Purple Rain. We had Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures. We had... Um, do, do you remember what other albums we had? Because I'm trying to remember. Because it's been, like, a couple weeks now. I think it was um, it was uh, Death Spell oh, tra- Omega was one no, of them. Death Omega was not one of them. But, oh, that was because it was the sorry. I'm, it, I'm, it, it was one of the potentials that we had. No, uh, the one the ones that we actually talked about. We talked about uh, Trout Mask Replica as yeah. well. Um, I can't remember the other one, but we, we had a whole list of really big albums that are some of our favorites that came out in June, and uh, there was one that I really wanted to talk about that um, we decided not to, mostly because uh, I think we had already had a couple of bigger albums, but I think also because Scott had never listened to this album, and this is uh, Faith No More is the real thing, which is their uh, their third album and their first with uh, Mike Patton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've I known about this album for a long time, like since I was in high school, and uh, I've this is like one of my favorite, like this is probably top ten favorite albums, like th- this would probably be in there. <laughs> Um, for reasons I don't really understand, <laughs> in a way, like like you you ever have that happen, Scott? That like you listen to an out al- like like you love an album so much that like your reasoning for loving it sort of can't be described with words any longer. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an example, but there's albums where like when I sit down to actually talk about it or write about it i'm like i just i just fucking love it yeah <laughs> this is a great album exactly and so yeah that that was the way with this thing was for me um i i'll go into sort of my own personal experience with this in a little bit but i really want to know like you know like because this is probably what like the first well did you ever listen to angel dust by any chance this is the first faith no more release i've okay. listened to period I, I was i was so so what do you think it, it, it does it live up to the hype, or? <laughs> um, I, I I don't like this pause, Scott. <laughs> I really. Uh, oh, why why have you? <laughs> I don't like that we've recently picked a lot of out. Al- like when we talked about Beastie Boys and we talked about other albums that like have meant a lot to you. Like, <laughs> oh I my feel- god, I can't wait. Um. I think overall, I, I had a, a contentious listening battle with this album where I was trying to figure out how I felt about it. I think it's very interesting. It's incredibly in, inventive. I'm actually really impressed that... Obviously, I know that Epic is really the, the main single that, that caught on, but I'm impressed that this band uh, caught on even the way they did at the time. They're very unique in, in what they did. Um, 
I, I was I wasn't a fan. Like I hate to say it, I really didn't I didn't enjoy this uh, <laughs> as much as I, I will say. I think for me, what I didn't like about it surprised me. In that, I think what what held me back a lot was I have liked Patton's vocals elsewhere. I really didn't like it on this album. I I just yeah, and I know that's surprising because he's one of the. I, I wrote it down. I want to. Make, I usually I forget track names or I don't take good notes or whatever. I want to write it down. Um, I loved Edge of the World, which is yeah, the, the final track. Yeah, it's an instrumental track, and I think or at no, least, no, a, a, Edge of the World has a. He does sort of like jazz vocals in it. Um, are you thinking of Woodpeckers from Mars? Yes, I am. Thank. I, yeah. I wrote down those are both two, two of my favorite tracks. Yeah. Uh, I loved both those songs. I especially like. I loved what they did musically throughout this entire album, really. Um, but even though I've loved his vocals elsewhere, something about kind of like the nasal approach he took, uh, it just yeah. it did not vibe with me. Um, I didn't like some of the, I think my, the problem is my least favorite songs were on the, in the front end of the album. I really didn't like falling to pieces. It sounded like, um, kind of a more annoying version of Jane's Addiction, which is a band that I, I don't, I like less than what I heard here. And I felt like Surprise You're Dead was like a, a a lesser version of some of the like anthrax's songs that came out at the time <laughs> but other than that like obviously epic is a great like epic is it just is a great song i've always loved that um and other than that most of this was fine uh, i think the other thing i thought was weird is uh the fact they put a not only do they cover war pigs on the album but that it's it's not like a bonus track or it's not the final track yeah like i mean it's towards the end but it's kind of weird to have a cover that followed by edge of the world or then followed by you know a, a, a track an original song but i really did love uh that's kind of why i felt so contentious is because after i heard woodpecker from mars and then i really enjoyed um you know the the, the kind of back nine of the album um Actually, I liked the cover of War Pigs. I mean, it was it was more or less in line with the, the yeah, original. It, they it, obviously put their own flair on it, but I thought it was a pretty good cover. There, um, there's really not much of a difference between it and the original. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a good cover. Yeah. Um, so like, I I just I feel I feel weird saying I'd love to hear like kind of an instrumental or mostly instrumental track from Faith No More, seeing as easily the most famous member from Faith No More was their vocalist. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, I feel really badly because I, I know this is now me really love, but it just, I, I didn't vibe with me, unfortunately. I, I mean, we, we've talked about this many times before that, like, know. you know, we're, we're always going to have albums that, you know, we're not always going to agree on. And, like, you shouldn't feel bad about that at all. Like, because I, I, I think, if anything, it makes for a more fun conversation. Uh, but I think it's also cool to see, you know, to be able to, you know, sort of know the other side of that argument. Like, either way, because I, I you know, I think we can sometimes be so blind in our love for out for music that we sometimes don't, we, we don't see the entire picture. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, like I, I think it's cool to hear that. I I do want to say though, I think with Mike Patton's vocals, um, I, I you know I I've expressed a very similar sentiment that um, you know his I, I've always found Mike Patton on the whole to sort of always punch below his weight, um, like really the only time I've, I've ever seen him like it feels like he's ever really tried 
is like on um, maybe Mr. Muggles California, but mostly just John Zorn's, you know, Moonchild work mm-hmm. and uh, Mike Patton's own solo albums that were released on Zadig. Um, you know, because he, I feel like he uses like the full range of what his his voice is capable of. Yeah, for and sure. sort of and sort of goes he in a way, and this is going to sound totally pretentious, but I feel like he transcends singing in a way. Um, maybe a better word is that like he goes and, and maybe instead of transcends, he goes below, like he goes to the murky depths of hell for it because that's what it sounds like more often than not (laughs) but i still think it's amazing what he can do with his voice uh but i feel like the majority of his work and he has a lot of work i feel like the majority of it is just very underwhelming for me because i just considering how damn talented he is Mm -hmm. so um yeah and so you it'd be fun it's funny that i actually like his vocals on this album um as strange as that is i i'll i'll totally admit that they're very nasally i I think, and I don't have anything to, you know, corroborate this, but, uh, so, like, I don't know if you knew this, but Mr. Bungle was actually a thing before this album, um, that, this is Faith No More's third album, so they had a previous singer, uh, Chuck Mosley, uh, you know, who did the first two albums, which I have not listened to either of those, um, but, you know, Mike Patton, you know, got his start with, like, Mr. Bungle. So he already had like this reputation for being weird and stuff like that. But I think when he was invited to be on this album, I think they kind of pressed him to like tone it down a little bit uh, hmm. and sort of take on that nasally voice. That's what I think. But again, I, I, I don't have any proof of this. It just feels like that because if you go to literally the next album, Angel Dust, which is considered often to be Faith No More's best album, I, I don't agree. But, um, you know, Mike Patton has a lot more pull, um, you know, and I think they sort of allowed him to just have more of an influence. And so I think that, like, you know, uh, it, it's it's definitely going to be a lot different, uh, you know, than this. I Like, those nasal vocals don't show up at all in Angel Dust. So, um, anyway. So, yeah, I... God, I, how do you even describe this album? This is just like... Hmm. I don't know. It, it, it's like alt metal, but there's a lot of different elements to it. Um, I think just the best way I can put this is like, like this is just a very personal album for me. Um, as strange as that is, because you would think that like, oh, an alt metal album from like the late '80s would be just like corny as hell. And like, I'll admit, I mean, they, they're like, "Epic" is a great song, but it's a pretty corny song too. Like, you know you want it all you know <laughs> but you can't have it like you know just the whole like the i mean you've seen the music video right for for epic yes i have yeah but just like the rain just plastering them yeah um i i feel like like have you ever noticed that like the late 80s early 90s had just like the strangest music videos yes like, I i'm think trying to think about it right now like, like when did um when did black hole sun come out because I'm, I'm, I'm looking this up. Uh, 1994. Yeah, that that's a pretty fucking weird music video as well. So, <laughs> um, sort of going to be... But, so, the reason I love this album so much, and this is, again, this it's very personal to me because, um, you know, I as maybe some people know, I uh, just recently, you know, completed my master's degree. 
Um, and while I was in the program, I think it was like my first year there. It was like really the first time I'd been away from home. And, I, you know, I've, I've had a lot of issues with anxiety um, for most of my life now. And so it was, a, it was, you know, kind of terrifying to be on my own again. Um, you know, and, and sort of, you know, kind of dealing with that. And, you know, this album actually really helped me get through that just because of like sort of, um, sort of the way just like each of these songs kind of just flies through what they do. Like, like it, 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 it's so confident, like, like you you can fault this album you know for being corny or you know what have you or you know maybe for not you know you know completely um being in your wheelhouse like it is for you scott but like you you can't you can't deny that like these guys are really driven in what they do and oh. they're, they're like their performances are very confident oh absolutely yeah. i mean i i didn't enjoy Patton's um like the the sound of his voice is uh and just kind of the way it came across with these songs, yeah. but like his performance and his energy. I mean, he's never off. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. I have, I bought that Italian pop album. I forget yeah, what it's called. Uh, I think Mondo. Mondo. Yeah. I bought that, um, a little while back and like, he's phenomenal in that singing gorgeous in Italian. Obviously I have a couple of Moonchild albums where he's, he's phenomenal there. Um, and even, even on this album, I can totally appreciate the passion and it, it right down to the instrumentation too. I mean, this is very bold. That's kind of why I led with at the time. I, I, I can respect, uh, they approach, I mean, even for alt metal at the time when this came out, I mean, this is very unique and, and very, um, pulls from a lot of different traditions and it's, uh, has some great ideas on it. Like, you know, especially as the album progressed, I kind of, it, it grew on me a bit more and more. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I totally agree that they, um, you know, they, at, at the very least, you can't doubt their, their effort and like how much yeah. they try to put a great, uh, a great collection of songs together. Exactly. And so I, I think it was that type of thing that really let, like it was, you know, like the first track from out of nowhere, it has like these really bright, uh, kind of chords to it, or at least I something that I always pictured them as very bright. Um, you know, and listening to that while like walking to school just really helped me mm-hmm. a lot. So I, I you know, and I, I don't want to say I'm blinded by like the nostalgia for this thing or that I'm somehow indebted to it because I'm not. I just, you know, over the years I've just come to really appreciate it, and you know, it's in turn really helped me. Um, I will say, I think my biggest complaint with this album actually is, is probably, ironically, the track Woodpecker from Mars. So Interesting. Um, That's really most, funny. Well, be, mostly because it takes, like, pretty much all of the instrumentals from the title track and just redoes them in an in instrumental. You know, and, like, but I, I will say that's a very small complaint because I actually like listening to, to the track. Um... I think you know. I, I think each of these tracks have like a, like I like them all in their own little way. But I think off the top of my head, um, from out of nowhere is is up there. Epic, falling to pieces is good, but surprise you're dead is like one of my favorite tracks, just because it's so strange. Um, it, just like it's it's probably the one part on the album that you hear Patton like really like kind of you know showing off what he could actually do. Uh, because he just you know the ha like the, the laughs and just like the screams and like 
things like that. It's really funny listen mm-hmm. to. And um, Zombieators, I think, is is also up there. It's such a Zombieators is a weird track. Like I would probably say the weirdest track on this album. If you just look at the lyrics, even I I don't I don't know if you were paying attention to that at all, Scott. <laughs> can't can't say I was unfortunately uh, because they, there's a little section that. Um, I'm trying to remember it. Like Mike Pat says, like you know, hey, look at me, ba- look at me. Maybe I'm just a little baby, you know. And it's just like he's talking about like this. I think he's talking about like some girl like wiping his butt or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's it's a very strange track, um, even just down to the music. But I I think it's such an interesting song at the same time. So um, yeah, I, I I fucking love this album. I I think it's I I really think it's Faith No More's best album. Um, despite what a lot of people would say otherwise. Um, yeah, I, I think just, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, I, I totally understand if, if somebody was like, oh, Jim Jam, like, you're full of shit, because, like, Angel Dust is, like, actually, like, more avant-garde and stuff like that. And, like, I, I can't fault you there, because, I mean, that has some pretty avant-garde moments. Like, uh, like Sky, you ever heard of, uh, the track, um, uh, Jizz Lobber? <laughs> I have not... Oh, it's actually it's I it's probably the best track on on Angel Dust, uh, personally. I, I found the album to be kind of bland, as strange as that is. But um, anyway, so like I I yeah, the real thing is great. Um, I would say anybody should listen to it because I think it's just like even if you just want some corniness, it's it's just it's worth it. So, <laughs> and uh. That's really all I have, you know. It, it, I, I'm sorry you don't you didn't enjoy it as much, but um, but, but you, know. you know, it's one of those albums that I felt like I, you know, I should have listened to it before now. I'm glad I finally did. Um, yeah. I definitely, I definitely, I gave, I gave it the good old college try. I listened to it, um, I think like three times through. Uh, I think uh, if I'm recalling correctly, wow, that, I, that, 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 that's a lot for an album that, that you didn't really connect with. Oh, Cause so. I wanted to try because I, again, it's, it's one thing where I think that's why, and th- this is, is please don't take offense to this parallel. It's kind of why I listened to the liturgy, uh, uh, liturgies, the artwork so many times is because mm. I think that Hunter, Hunter, whatever the hell his name is, Hunter Hendricks. I, yeah. I think he, um, he did like actually put a lot of effort to it and try. Like I think he does believe what he he means. Like when apparently with interviews and if you see him talk, like he's kind of socially awkward and like he definitely has a vision he wants to put to paper. I just don't mm-hmm. think he executed it well. And I I think the difference with Faith the More is I think they did execute it well. I think for what they were trying to do, I can tell they they are very talented. I think that they have so much passion. It just didn't click for me. So I didn't want to just write off after one listen and be like, oh, this sucks. I hate it because I, yeah. I did I didn't hate it. it just I, there was a lot about it that I just I couldn't get behind. But yeah, there was it, also it, it, it just wasn't for you. I think. Yeah, exactly. And then there actually was a, a you know a number of tracks, especially on the back end. I was like, I actually really like this. You know, I really uh, I really enjoy. Um, I think the energy makes it for me. Like even the songs I didn't like, I, I appreciated the passion, the energy. I feel like seeing these guys live in their prime would have been amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. Even though like this is pretty much the only Faith No More album I like, like I, I think it'd be really cool to see them. Even nowadays, I think it would be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I mean, Patton still got it. Uh, I don't yeah. know about the other guys, but I'm sure. I mean, Patton would probably just make the show worthwhile in its own right. Yeah, I. But I would also say like I. I I, you, you, sh- you shouldn't fault yourself for for having slept on this album because I think like this isn't exactly like 
you, you, you know how the, there are like some albums that are like you know if you haven't listened to it you're like garbage like, mm-hmm. like sort of like uh i don't know like okay computer like that that, that type of thing um i i feel like this is not that album for faith no more i feel like it's probably angel dust mm-hmm. um but again, you know, I've I've said I'm not a fan of Angel Dust. I, you know, both the drug and the album. Um, <laughs> it's just just not. I it's just really not for me. I felt like it was very it was kind of half-assed. But anyway, that's all I have to say about this thing. So, um, you ready to move on? Yeah. So this right. uh, this our right. albums of the week where you had yeah. to uh, you had to translate um, you had to translate the title. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, how about you go first, though? <laughs> yeah, so this is a weird... Um, this is a weird album. I'm going to try my best to describe it in a way that doesn't... Because I don't think it's like super avant-garde or like way over the top or anything like that, but it's definitely experimental for a genre. Um, it's an album by a band called... I guess you pronounce it... Frighter? Like, like oh, freighter, freighter, yeah, like like yeah. freighter. Like, I was yeah. actually listening to this album earlier this weekend. That's interesting. It's, and the album's called The Den. I'm really glad I gave it a uh, a shot because the album cover straight up looks like a pop punk band album cover. Like it's just like a like a random picture of a house with a car. Yeah, and like I was like, oh, this is probably some pop punk stuff. But the way that it was described was um, Trent, one of the guys at Heavy Blog. What what did he say exactly? I think he said it's mathcore, but also dot 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 thrash question mark. Um, and it yeah, was, it, it's a weird, it's a little weird. Yeah, um, and it's again, it's not like super avant garde. It's not like all like I wrestled a bear once or whatever, where like it's just a bunch of random like shit thrown in, and it's like super <laughs> all over the place. It's definitely like focused compositionally in terms of, or I guess you know as as kind of organized as mathcore can be but there are some thrashier riffs like it never i would never yeah. describe it as thrash metal but there are some thrashier riffs a little bit of melodic moments uh, kind of some heavier moments it really is i mean i i've never been i've always liked mathcore it's never been a genre i followed super closely other than like the you know the classics and whatnot but man i, I loved 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 this album it's it's it, it's just it's great I, yeah, I was I was a big fan of what that. I, that's surprising because I mean I I, I don't know I, in a way I mean I I doesn't in a way it doesn't surprise me that you'd like this this kind of album but like at the same time like I, I actually listened to the I think maybe the first two tracks of this thing and just I just didn't resonate with it a whole lot so I I just ended up skipping the rest of it <laughs> but like I I I can see where you would like it because I mean it's it's an interesting take on mathcore without being like so out there that like you have to like you know hire like professionals to just let you know what the fuck's going on yeah exactly um so you know i i get that it's 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 an interesting album so uh it's fine i actually have a metal album as well and it's a metal album that you i'm pretty sure have listened to that uh you guys have reviewed before okay um yeah it's because you guys have been talking a lot about Icelandic metal on um, Icelandic black metal All right. on, uh, on Heavy Blog. Um, and so this past, uh, what do you call it, cult column? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, you guys were talking about this one. And so I just decided, I just added it to my new shit list and uh, I finally got through it this week. So uh, yeah, it's uh, Miss Thurning 
Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I yeah, thought so. Yeah, I'll, I'll me, however you say it, but I actually, like I said before, I did translate this. I just fed it into Google Translate, and it comes out, Miss Therming, Miss Therming, is, uh, translates to abuse in, Ooh, in Icelandic. Actually, yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, and, uh, I, Alglami, it turns out to be oblivion. So, huh. um, which I, I don't know, I don't know, were you having a hard time pronouncing the thorn in, in Miss Therming, by the way? Oh, yeah, like, I, I have no idea how to pronounce yeah, that. Yeah, I, it's, yeah, it, it's a thorn. It's, um, uh, it's, it's supposed to be like TH, um, at least for, for us, anyway. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, I, how do you even describe this? Like, it's, it, it feels like Iceland is, like, sort of channeling, like, Scandinavia from the 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with just, like, this vicious, like, I mean, it's, it's a very traditional, for the most part, take on black metal, but it's just performed and written so impeccably that you just like you you can't help but just kind of sit back and just really be amazed at it there were some really interesting riffs on this thing that i surprised me to that were even on a black album like our black metal album um yeah i i i just found it to be really like just really cutting edge despite the fact that it didn't have like a lot of these like you know, th- like frills and bells and whistles that a lot of like modern black metal seems to have because you know, like the genre has been just so, um, I don't want to say diluted, but like you know, it's been able to split into so many different, um, you know, ranges of sound. So, um, it was just really cool to see someone do this with, with the black metal sound. So, um, yeah, just amazing album Pr- could be one of my albums of the year at this point because uh, I really enjoyed it I, I'm, I'm really hoping that they sell this at like CD stores but I'm not thinking so but I'm hoping so yeah the, the, they've been they've been in the scene for a while this isn't their first like big noteworthy release that everyone kind of freaked out about yeah. Um, but yeah it's really because of all the places obviously Europe is kind of um, you know, easily the most important region in terms of the development of black metal, but like of all the countries to expect um, to, and again, from a population standpoint, I don't know how Iceland compares to like the Scandinavian countries, but it's like a pretty small space, at least geographically. And for them to just continuously churn out a ton of fantastic releases, a lot of which have the same members. So really it's not only is it a, um, you know, ostensibly, you know, like, I presume presumably a small space, but it's only a few people who just continue making, um, you know, different groups, great, great releases. Um, I totally agree with everything you said. And yeah. it's interesting how it's kept going. Cause I think I first noticed this back in 20, 2016, I think, um, which, I mean, that's only three years ago, but in terms of like metal scenes, I mean, the whole gent craze came and went really, really quickly so it's, for, it's still around in, it's, in like, but like it's not at the peak like it's it, it in really like, isn't like yeah. it used to be where every like all all the major labels they just like continuously kept signing gem bands to see what stuck and now they're all kind of uh, relegated to like very specific niche like labels that like only sign gem bands yeah um, as an example but i feel like this trend has just continued uh, it really hasn't dropped off if anything it's just continued improving where there's just more and more high quality bands coming out of iceland uh so yeah, I'm really glad to hear you liked it because I, I think that's yeah. a, that's a great album. 
Well, I, I always try to take a look through, uh, like, Tall Column and, you know, uh, what's what's the death metal one? You're oh, Death Death Door. Death Door, thank you. I, I, I don't know why I forget these ones, but, it's, yeah. It's but, not as catchy. Uh, I, 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 no, think, I, I think Death Store has it has its merits. I, yeah. I just I just have a very bad memory sometimes when it comes to the actual names of these columns. Yeah. So um, no, I, I usually try to keep track of them, and you know I try to listen to a bunch. Like I tried to listen to uh, Abyssal's latest album because you know Jonathan was was you know ba- basically sporting a, a pretty nice Woody for it. You know. Yeah. He um, one of my favorite things about Jonathan is just like how excited he'll get about music. Yeah, uh, which is I, I don't mean that with any malice or sarcasm. Yeah, I know. Like, I I, I yeah. like it. I mean that that type of passion is just is you know super enviable. You know, like like it's it's cool to you know know someone who likes music that much. And I, I mean, I, I think we're, we're we're of that, but probably not about that specific album. Um, but you know, <laughs> I, all of this it's like I I've I I try to keep track of. Of these columns and this was just an album that really hit me the right way so yeah nice so uh we will be back next week uh with uh cd buys so um until then have a good week and yeah. thanks for listening thanks for listening all right bye bye